Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. I think platforms like this allow the fans to see a different different aspect, a different view on like the players. And I think going back to the last dance, we never saw stuff like that. So when it's your child and their eyes light up when they see you, like the, the crying doesn't annoy you like another baby's crying would. Little things where you're just like, man, like this is amazing. It's a huge blessing. I think for me, it's about the buying into something. Do you know what I mean? I feel like I've, I have achieved things in the game, but I've just got this, this feeling inside, this hunger inside that I just want to achieve something special. So I was like, yo, if I can go to Liverpool and win something and how the fans are over there, like the fans were just different. Well, you play at Anfield, you're getting the gooses. <laughs> you're walking through the tunnel getting yeah. the gooses like yeah. the goosebumps of the hairs on your arms are standing up you see the sign some of the players are tapping the Anfield sign they're thinking wow like different over here mm-hmm. it's just on it every day and I don't think I'd ever worked with a gaffer who was on it every day like shouting every day you know just on it like you couldn't not be on it you know every it was like he says, it's like rock and roll football. Like, the maddest <laughs> you know that tune, man. You know that tune. <laughs> oh, that tune's crazy, man. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to yet again another episode of the Beautiful Game podcast. As ever, I'm your host, Budge, and I'm joined by my faithful two co-conspirators, Dot and Dej. Gents, how are we feeling this evening, man? I'm good, bro, man. I can't wait for this one. Obviously, 100 episodes in, and we've got the legend, Daniel Stutch. Come on. Man, I had to know. bring out the white tea for this, you know. We're, we're dealing with man that have been on the front cover of GQ. you got to come through. <laughs> you understand? Oh, those man that are on, those vet, on, on yeah, Vogue and that. You get me? Yeah, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, been there, you know, good vibes. But guys, I'm 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 grateful 
for you allowing me to come on and be the guest for this episode, man, because it's it's a big milestone. You feel me? So it's a privilege for me to be to be here with you guys in this vibe. I can't wait to get into it, man. For real. Man, I love for coming man. on, bro. You know, a hundred episodes. One of the most prodigious talents in England. One of the finest of his generation, bro, man. So it's a pleasure to rock Thank with you, Dan. And, you know, you're someone that gives back to the youth, you know, helping us out on this podcast and making... Mm. This is what we wanted. This was our vision of making this our 100th episode. So all love, mm. bro. 100%, I appreciate you, man. man. I appreciate you. I appreciate you guys. Trust me. Love, man. Trust me. Obviously, it being the 100th episode, we had to do it big. So we're taking it from, from London to L.A., it's, it's, it's evening time over here, but it's it's nice and sunny out where we're studying. Oh, mate, the sun is shining, <laughs> you know? The sun is shining, so it's good vibes. 100%, man. So, start, I guess we got we, we got to start off with um, just really getting getting a bit of a lowdown for, from you, man. Like, how has the past couple of months been, of course, um, the, the fact that we're in a global pandemic... Mm-hmm. Uh, which made it difficult for, for, for us to do so many things and, and, and really mm-hmm. just live life in the, in the way that we're, we're used to. So what mm-hmm. has, what's, what's the past few months been like for you? How has it changed your day-to-day routine? Uh, mm-hmm. Why did you choose to be out in, in LA, for example, mm-hmm. at, at this present moment in time? I mean, like the, the past few months, I think for everybody, it's just been crazy. Do you know what I mean? Like getting used to... Um, lockdowns and not lockdowns and you know having to comply with you know the rules which is the most important thing in this time to try and stunt the growth of the, of the pandemic and again like training for myself being a free agent getting my routine in check from the early stages of it you know going back to sort of March time when we first went into lockdown and um, it was like getting to a gypsy thing like okay cool gotta get a gym sorted out at the house now like Little things that, you know, when I when I went to, when I first came to the States and there was no setup and, you know, the apartments wouldn't allow for everyone to be in the gym together and stuff like that. So it was like working around and trying to make um everything possible so that the transition was like seamless type type thing. Mm-hmm. Um but it's so tough, bro, with, with this with, with COVID, man, because it feels like not life won't ever get back to what it was, but you just pray and, and hope that, you know, that this vaccine that they're talking about um, will 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 call you know will will, will help mm. us to get over it because it really is so tough, bro. Mm, yeah, I was just saying there's going to be a new normal, and you had a welcome new arrival to your family as well. So yeah, how has that bro. process been during this pandemic? It's been crazy, honestly. It's been a huge blessing, a huge blessing because I feel like you can never really know the feeling of fatherhood. You can never really. Um, understand it until it's you everyone says oh you know having a child's amazing like yeah blah 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 and when you hold someone else's child like it's like yeah it's cute but then you give the baby back and it's just like it's over with you know what i'm saying it's just like cool it was fun i had the baby think the baby cries he doesn't like my face all right cool let me hand your baby back to you you know what i'm saying you know the vibe you know the vibe sometimes you're scared to hold someone else's baby and stuff so when it's your child and their eyes light up when they see you like the, the crying doesn't annoy you like another baby's crying would. Little mm. things where you're just like, man, like this is amazing. It's a huge blessing. And it's like trying to take it in my stride. And being a free agent has actually allowed me to be involved and actually um, do the things like changing the nappies. Mm. And, you know what I mean? Like, obviously, 
I can't breastfeed, so I'm bottle feeding every now and again. You know what I mean? When I can, but my missus always my missus will wake up in the middle of the night and she'll do do the breastfeeding and and um just get into groups with it all, bro. But it is it is amazing, man, because you can never know the feeling until it's you. Do you know what I'm saying? So I just love it, man. I love it every day. It's, it's amazing, bro. Has it made so, you has it made you look at life differently? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it's it's a new purpose. Mm. I feel mm. like when you're throughout my career, I've always played for myself and my family, but it gives you a different drive as well. Mm. Like I'm a hung, I'm naturally a hungry person in terms of ambitious and wanting to be successful. But this just whew, this put like a you know like that feeling inside me where it, it gave me a new a, even more ambition. It gives me a new level of drive. It gives me even more like. I don't know, like just that feeling inside that that makes you want to be the best you can be and to push yourself. Even that that last set in the gym where you're like, boy, <laughs> like I'm I'm knackered, <laughs> like I can't like I can't even lift this weight right now. And then it's just like, nah, bro, like yo, you need to you need to do an extra set on top. Like you need to push yourself to the level that you've never pushed yourself before because you're not just it's not just about you anymore. Do you know what I mean? It's about, it's bigger than me. It's like, it's your legacy. You're fighting for, to, 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 you know, hand your, everything you've, you've tried for throughout your life. Yeah. You're working to hand that onto somebody else. And it's like, it's just, it makes your mind work different. You just start looking at life differently too. Um, and you have a, you have a greater level of respect for parents out there. You know what I mean? And, and the struggles your parents went through, you look at them differently too and you think like, wow, like, I understand now. Do you know what I mean? 100%, bro. Mm. That makes sense. And, and I suppose, you know, whilst we're talking about you now, of course, welcoming a new addition to the family and, and also the fact that we're in a global pandemic, what was, what was it like in terms of the experience of, of the past few months with regard to... The, you know, your, your missus giving birth in, in, in this period of time. Like, in your mind, you're, you're oh overly worried and concerned, like, you know, making sure that everything goes according to plan and so on and so forth, right? Was, was, was that the kind of feeling that you, you, you were having? Honestly, man, like, we... At first, they were saying the father can't even be there for the birth. So I'm like, yo... Come on, man, that's... I'm thinking, I'm thinking, like, I'm thinking, wow, like, I can't even be there. And then it went to, she'd be going to, to, you know, the doctors and things like that. And I couldn't be in, in the room. And it was, it was a strange feeling because you're almost thinking to yourself, is she okay? Like you, you're worrying more than you ever would have before. And then came to the time, closer to the time. And they were like, okay, so she's allowed one person to come in. So her mom had actually traveled over from the States to the UK. Um, you know, we wanted an English baby, you know what I'm saying? Well, I want, you know, you know, you know the vibe, you know what I'm saying? You know the vibe, yeah, bro. You know the vibe, bro. So, um, so obviously I was like, we got, we got to go home, baby. We got to have this, ba this baby in England, baby. And she was like, cool. So we, we, you know, she, we went home, we flew to the UK, got situated with another, with another doctor and everything. And her mom flew over and it was just like getting used to the process of like, okay, um, I'm only allowed in and it was a long process as well that, you know, the labor was long and it was just like, it was a stressful few days for me. So I can only imagine what it was like for yeah. my missus. And she was like, yeah, it, you know, it was so, 
difficult, but she got through it and um, gave birth to a beautiful baby girl. And um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm just excited to, to raise a beautiful child right now. It's amazing. It really is good. No, that's dope, Daniel, man. We'd love to see it, bro. So in terms of your playing career, as you mentioned, you're a free agent. So in terms yes, of like your next project, like what sort of things are you looking for? I think for me, it's about the buying into something. Do you know what I mean? I feel like I've, I have achieved things in the game, but I've just got this, this feeling inside, this hunger inside that I just want to achieve something special. And I've got this will to win. I've got this, this will to, to buy into a project, to a club that's going to allow me to, to be a part of something special. Like, you know, it doesn't have to be that I necessarily have to be starting every week. You know, I've, I've been through a period at Liverpool where I've played every week and not started every week. So I know the feeling. I know what it takes to come off the bench and make an impact. I know what it takes to start from the beginning and bust the game and, and do what I do best. So it's like, for me... It's about buying into a project. You know, the manager will have um, a plan, whatever club I sign for, and how he sees me in the framework of the team, whether I'm playing up front, whether I'm playing wide, whether I'm playing number 10. So I can be flexible and play in multiple positions. So, um, you know, where, whatever God blesses me with and whichever country it's going to be in, you know what I'm saying? We'll, we'll, we'll find out. But mm-hmm. I put my faith in God, bro, and I, and I hope that, you know, I'll be in a situation where I can flourish and I can show the world that you know, these study D's back. Come on. Have you got any preferences? <laughs> you know <what> I'm <laughs> Have you got any preferences uh, of a league that you'd like to play in or are you pretty much open minded? I mean I'm open minded. Obviously I'm an English guy. I love I love the Premier League. I watch the Premier League every week. Um and that's what I've known my whole career. I enjoyed my time in Turkey and um, I learned a lot. It was different, different culture, brought into a different culture, different Obviously, the language was far too difficult for me to learn in, in a short space of time, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a different vibe. It was a different league. It was a different framework of football. And I think that there's not many well-travelled English players. If we go through time, obviously, of recent times, we've seen Sancho and Bellingham's gone to, to Germany. Um, as a British player, Gareth Bale, uh, and you know, in, in the past, Lineker's, the Gascoigne's, people like that. And Beckham, not many people have really travelled outside the UK, so I am open to it. Do you know what I mean? I do feel like I would, I'd be game for it. I think I've got the tools in my um, in my toolkit to, uh, <laughs> to uh, you know what I mean, to, to to do the job. So for me, bro, it's just about buying into something that the coach and the club um, see a vision for me being involved, bro. And I'm down. I'm game for for any league around the world. It doesn't matter where to me. Just finally on this, how hard has it been to keep fit and consistently, you know, hit your numbers every day to, to be the best that you can be? For me, the drive's been there since I was a kid, bro. So, mm. you know, I feel like I'm, I'm in a routine where it's almost like I'm at a club now where I'm training every day. I'm getting my treatment. I'm doing my thing. You know what I mean? Like, you know, we, mm. before we did the call, baby, I was at the gym. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> got my got my treatment, did my gym, did my pitch work. I'm I'm doing the same routine as close as I can to replicate what it would be like at a club. There's no there's no um there's no training like football training. So I'm training with a coach and I'm doing my my stuff with the with the coach and you know he's trying to imitate being a centre half, but 
you can't imitate a world-class centre-half. Do you know what I mean? Like, you can't. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, impossible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's impossible to, to imitate a hung, young, hungry reserve player who wants to impress the gaffer. So we mm. mix at the ankles a little bit here and there. You know the vibe? You know the vibe, bro? You know the vibe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little mix here and there. Like, you have to cool down, bro. What's up? Cool down. Cool down, man. Chill, chill. So I don't have that element, but that's the only thing I'm missing. Everything else, you know, pushing myself to the limit. Um, hitting the numbers, we time everything, we we measure the, you know, the strength and how much things I'm doing during the week and we phase it and we you know we do things like that. So I'm in great shape, bro. I feel I feel like I'm I'm um you know I'm I'm cut. I feel like that I'm cut. I'm cut right now. I, I, I hear that stage man. And I think also that the other question I wanted to ask you on this, right? So um inevitably I, I'd imagine you've got obviously uh, calls coming in left, right, and centre from all over the all over the globe, right? But now, given the fact that you've got this recent addition to the family, mm-hmm. are you thinking more long term now as well? So, does does where you decide to go next um, is it, it, part of that decision based on setting and establishing your family like a place where your daughter's gonna, you know, grow for the next few years and start school and that kind of thing? Is that where you're thinking? <laughs> It's tough because I feel like as a as a sportsman, as a football player, when you choose your destination, you don't it's kinda like a selfish mindset in a way, in that you have to put yourself in the best situation for your career. So you can never really make decisions based off of like I'm I'm not like a money driven guy, like I have to be somewhere for the money. It's not about the money now. It's about being successful. It's about pushing myself to my limits and being success and, and trying to win something and help a team um, achieve. So for me, the destination, of course, my family are going to be comfortable. Whatever it, I, I have to do to make, you know, my partner and my child comfortable, um, you know, whether we have family join us or whatever it may be, mm. we'll do everything behind the scenes to make us comfortable. But in fa- as far as the decision goes to signing for a team, it's about the best opportunity that presents itself for me. Exactly. You know what I mean? And then I can mm-hmm. say like, yo, this is the vibe. This is the place I want to go and, and perform and, and put my best foot forward. And my missus is very, very good with that too. And she buys into the project as well. Do you know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. she, she, um, she understands what like I have to do on a day to day. So I think some players, sometimes they don't have that and they make mm. decisions, you know what I mean? For like mm. somebody else. And it might not necessarily be the right one mm-hmm. you know, for them. But it's like, oh, great city, let's go there. But the team's not for them. It's not their style. Mm. But it's, you can't make decisions on your lifestyle. You have to make decisions on what's going to make you perform, what's going to make you be the best player, what's going to make you give your all on a day-to-day. And sometimes distractions aren't a good thing too. You know what I mean? For young players mm. going to cities that are great with the bright lights and the nightlife and the this and the that, sometimes those environments aren't um, aren't good for your mentality and your your focus. So for me, whatever this destination it is, I'm I'm game. No, sick, bro. Like, yeah, I want to go into a time at Liverpool. I'm a massive Liverpool fan. You know, when you join the club. It sort of feels like that was the beginning of the period we're seeing now in terms of the success, you know, winning Mm -hmm. trophies. When you Mm -hmm. sort of joined Liverpool, 
Like, what was the sort of manifesto that Brendan gave you? Did he say that at the end of this, my time here, we need to be winning the Premier League? Or was it just the club Liverpool that That's you a, a great into? question. It's a great question. Um, funnily enough, um, you know, it was Brendan who I, I kind of knew Brendan before I signed for Liverpool, you know, at Chelsea. He was the reserve gaffer. So we'd have a bit of banter here and there, you know what I mean? Like a little banter, yeah. like walking through the walking through the thing, walking through the uh, the, co- the corridors and that, like, oh yeah, studio, a little bit of banter in there. And then obviously I seen that he got the job and I seen what he was, you know, doing. I saw him at Swansea and the football they was playing over there. And you know, Swansea, they had like some of their players were being compared to Barcelona, how how they was playing over there. Remember at the time when Swansea had players like yeah, he's like Xavi and Thing, well, um, Shabby, yeah, the world yeah, yeah, Joe Allen, yeah, Joe Allen, yeah, and Britain. Yeah. Remember them times there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Shabby yeah. time, ballers, bro, ballers, <laughs> playing, playing some serious football. So, when I seen that, I was like, okay, like, obviously Liverpool is a prestigious, prestigious football club. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows that from from my childhood. You know, everybody knows Liverpool is one of the biggest clubs around the world, if not the biggest fan base. Um, and the success of the trophies that they've won. So it was always a case of the marrying up. And then I spoke to the to the to FSG as well. And they sold the project unbelievable. Um, you know, Mike Gordon uh sold the project great. And I was like, I'm all in. You know what I mean? And I spoke to Stevie G at England. Um and he was like, Yeah, I just asked him about the bit, like, you know, just ask him about. When I go to England, whenever I was in the England environment, I kind of always ask players, like, what's their environment like? Like, you know, how, what's things like at your club and blah, blah, blah. And Stevie G sold a dream. Well, obviously, at that time, I was playing for Chelsea and I never anticipated I'd be playing for Liverpool. But I was like, oh, they got something going on over there. Like, you know what I mean? Um, so when, when I found out they was interested, it was like... Uh, here goes my missus walking past us. The, <laughs> the, 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 the dog's got a grooming session. <laughs> um, but when, but I'd say, I'd say when, when um, I spoke to Brendan and I spoke to the club, it just the project sounded. I knew that the, the team hadn't been successful for a while. I think they'd won the Carling Cup, but they hadn't won any trophies for a while, and. Yeah. I was leaving Chelsea, who were challenging for titles pretty much every season, and they'd won um, the Premier League and FA Cups, and they'd won Premier Leagues prior to me. So I was like, yo, if I can go to Liverpool and win something, and how their fans are over there, like the fans were just different. Bro, you play at Anfield, you're getting the gooses. You're walking through the tunnel, getting the gooses, like the goosebumps of the hairs on your arms are standing up. You see the sign, some of the players are tapping the Anfield sign, they're thinking, wow, like... Different over here. I was just like, nah, this. I need a bit of this. So it was, it was an easy decision, bro. I'll be honest, it was an easy decision for me. So do you think Liverpool were the only club that can actually make you leave Chelsea? Because you seemed pretty happy at Chelsea. Obviously, you wasn't signed every week. But do you mm-hmm. feel that Liverpool were the only club in England to make you make that switch? That it was like the perfect place for me, mm. which is mad. Like, um, my sister dreamt it. Imagine. She was like, I think you're going to play for Liverpool one day. Right. And I was like, I was like, Shira, what are you on about, man? Talking foolishness. That, at the time, I literally, I was like, you're talking foolishness, Shira. Like, you know what I mean? What are you on about? And she was like, yeah, I see you playing in red. And I was like, what is she talking about? Like, I'm playing for Chelsea. Like, 
But bro, it was mad. It was like she manifested it, boy. In a way, it was like that. It was like that. It was like how how has she told me this like a year before it happened, and I thought she was miles off it. Um, and I feel like to say it like the team was missing someone like me is what what they how they sold it. It was like we've got Luis Suarez over here, unbelievable player. Stevie G, I play training with him at England every day. They had a young Raheem. Um, and they also had ambitions as well. And they said they were going to sign players. And they brought Coutinho in, mm-hmm. who was, you know what I mean? Bargain I mean, bucket. You and Coutinho, 20 million. Bargain bucket, man. KFC bucket. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Bargain bucket. Yeah. Come on. I mean, it was, a, it was a snip. It was a snip. We were cheap. I was, I was, we, we, 12 million for myself, 8 million for Coutinho. I think Crazy. The, team, the team earned, I don't, I don't know how much they earned off Coutinho. For myself, I was there a long time and, you know, mm. signed another deal and stayed and saw the, saw the length of my contract out. But they just make great signings at the club. Do you know what I mean? They know what yeah. they're doing. My, Michael Edwards and the team behind the scenes, they just know what they're doing. Like, they went for it with Virgil. Like, we're going for it. We're gonna, mm. we're gonna, we're gonna spend big, and we're going for it. And it was seventy-five million. Now seems like a bargain. Mm. Big bargain. Which yeah. sounds, yeah. do you know what yeah. I mean? Which sounds, sounds crazy. crazy. Yeah. But it's like seventy-five million quid. You've won the Champions League and the Premier League in the space of two years. I mean, how many teams can say? You know, he was the catalyst. I think to getting them over the hump because we, we had some defensive problems at times mm-hmm. and we also had attacking problems at times. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I feel like when they brought Virgin, he just shored up that back line and probably gave everyone that sense of like, we're the men, we've got, we've got this covered. Mm-hmm. And um, it was just, everything just married up. When I, when, I, when I went to the club, everything was just marrying up and aligning and everyone wanted to win. Do you know what I mean? There was a everyone bought into Brendan's ideas, and then when Klopp came in, everyone bought into Klopp's ideas. Okay. So when Jurgen Klopp came into the club, obviously he had that infamous press conference when he said he's the normal one. What was it like working with Jurgen Klopp on a day-to-day basis? Intense. Um, just like. It's just on it every day. And I don't think I'd ever worked with a gaffer who was on it every day, like shouting every day, you know, just on it. Like you couldn't not be on it. You know, every, it was like he says, it's like rock and roll football. Like it's gung ho. (laughs) People are flying around. It's a hundred mile an hour. Do you know, like, the ball's pinging everywhere. It's like pinball, you're, like, looking all over, like, this is <laughs> mad. And it's it was it was something to get used to because with Brendan, it was very tactical. It was still high intensity, but Klopp just took it to a whole nother level of intensity, and you had to get used to it. It wasn't a case of, like, you know, okay, we're getting used to this straight away. It was like you had to get used to it. And um, everyone bought into the project. Everybody bought into it and his ideas and what he what he stood for, the tactics that he wanted to play with. And we were challenging right away. Like we, you know, we got to the Europa League final, um, and unfortunately, we lost that. I think the following season, we was in um, 
it might even have been Champions, Champions League finals. The, second, the season after that, Champions League final. Yeah, yeah. Then the season after that, we won the Champions League. And then the season after that, they've won the Premier League. So he's been challenging. Yeah. yeah, he's been he's been challenging and got the team to a point where, you know, we were so close with Brendan. And, um, you know, it was a difficult time when, when the players saw Brendan go because we all loved him. But when Klopp came in, everyone bought into the project straight away. And... Um, been successful so I think everyone's a winner you know Brendan's got Leicester in a position now where they're challenging for titles and people are probably surprised to see them back up there again mm-hmm. and um, and Klopp is doing what he's doing with Liverpool and, and doing unbelievable yeah 100% and you know what Studge now we're talking about it I'm just like reminiscing in my in my mind to that that season um, where you were just Absolutely unplayable. Everything that you were touch, you had the King Midas touch. Like anything, anything you was touching with. I got the Midas touch. <laughs> you know that tune, man. You know that tune. I don't go. Yeah, that tune's crazy, man. Big time tunes, man. Remember there was a goal. Hold on, I remember there was a goal when Stars done an absolute madness of a chop here and just whacked it, and I was like, what? You know what? That might have been. Um, that, I think that was Palace. <laughs> that was Palace. Like, what was he doing? Like, yeah. He's got no right, isn't he? He's got no right yeah. to see what he's doing. Did you see the, the fan in the crowd? The fan in the crowd. Oh, you know what I mean? The thing is, I'm so fast. I should have never did the dance in front of their fans. But because I scored that side of the goal, I just started dancing straight away, and the fan was vexed. And I've got the photo at home, yeah. bro. It's like it's so funny because you know what. The craziest thing about it is, as a player, when you score a goal, and you guys have seen it too, you, you know, you're fans of the game and you've experienced it. And when I was a kid, I experienced it as a fan, sitting in the crowd and seeing someone else score and celebrate. And you're so like, like you're thinking, really? Like you're celebrating like that? We were at home. I should have never been celebrating in front of the away fans, bro. But it, I scored there. I was like, let me get my, you know, let me do my, let me do my thing. <laughs> Did my thing. And I seen him in the crowd just like, he was cheesed, bro. And I was like, that's how I made him feel. But I think moments like that, you can you can never like forget them. Because even mm-hmm. that goal, there's certain goals where I've scored, bro, where I didn't even remember what I did at the time. <laughs> like I have to watch it. I'm watching match of the day. Like, yo, I didn't even know. Like there's one type, the, the goal against Villa. Where I went round the keeper and, and put it in the mm. um, in the roof of the net, mm. and there was like a moment when I thought to myself afterwards, like, how did I go round him? Because I just thought I chopped it and it was just one chop, but it was double. It was a double dig, so it was like, how you know how have I chopped the keeper, but like done a little thing to maneuver the ball again, and I put it in the roof of the net. But in the heat of the moment, because it's all muscle memory and you kind of train yourself to for these types of moments. You do things and it's all a blur, and then after it, you have to assess and be like, "All right, how did I, how did I bag that?" And it's just like it's it's sick watching it yourself as a player, but then mm. you gotta just move on, bro. Because if you if you stay in that moment, the next mm. week you don't bag. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, and you know what? what I wanted to ask you, right? Is that obviously under um, Brendan Rodgers, you you absolutely flourished, right? He was uh, mm-hmm. a good manager for for helping you blossom and, and really mm-hmm. move your game on. Mm-hmm. But you also spoke about, in, in, in your career, Stuart Pearce being a very integral manager for your progress yes. as well, right? And someone who 100%. really believed in you. 
So when you compare the two, do you see any similarities between the two of them that helped you to, you know, grow in, in, in your game? Um, Stuart Pearce was just an unbelievable man manager in that because he, because he had played the game and I'd known him for a while as well. Like when I first trained for the, for the first team, like 15, Stuart Pearce was the manager, was, was I think player coach. I think he might've been. And he even gave me a little a, a spicy challenge one time too. And I had to stay away from him because I was like, yo, I don't want to do no skills around this guy. Um, I had to stay away from him, bro. I had to stay away from him. Those were the days when players just started wearing white socks with no shin pads. Um, but I had to wear shinnies because obviously there was a couple of people that used to do some spicy challenges. So I had to wear shinnies, bro. Um, but uh, Stuart Pierce. He just, I think he changed my life in that. He gave me my debut, gave me my England debut, gave me, brought me to the Olympics. He had unbelievable faith in my talents. Whereas Brendan, um, he got something out of me, like in terms of his managerial style. He dig me out like every now and again. He got me riled up sometimes. Like I remember the game against Sunderland at home. First half, I thought I played pretty well. Got in at half time. The gaffer's only giving it studge like boom, boom, boom. And I'm like, I'm like, oh my God. Like Hendo's like, you know, Hendo, Hendo had to put, if you know like um the, the Thierry Henry thing when, when um when he put his hand on the thigh like, yeah, yeah, you know, like yeah. that. Like Hendo yeah. did one of those. Was like, was like, I was like, yo. So um, obviously I was just sat there like devastated um thinking to myself like, why is he digging me out? Like I felt like I was creative, you know. Um gone out first five minutes, mate. I've got the ball. I've chopped inside and top binned it. I've turned around and was like, you get me like, yeah, what you saying now? What you saying now? Gaffer, what you saying now? So it was like, he, it was a, it was a love, it was a love-love relationship. It wasn't like a love-hate. It was a, he'd say things which would, he'd know would rile me up and would get me, you know, if he didn't feel I was going, he'd say things to try and get me going. Um, and he just had a he just had a way about him where he'd have banter with the lads and you know just a just a, a all round uh, excuse me good he's all round a, a good manager but tactically different class different mm. different class bro yeah we yeah, had Daniel so in terms of like your game what tactical involvements did you have to make from Brendan Rodgers to like Jurgen Klopp there was a few to be fair I mean with Brendan. I was more, I'd play up front one game, play on the left one game, play on the right. Um, you know, depending on the opposition, it'd be like, Studger, you know what? Their weakness is their right back. We believe you can get behind him. Um, you know, we need you to cut inside today or whatever it may be, or play on the last man. Whatever it would be with Brendan, it'd be like a um, game by game. We'll figure, you know, figure out how we're going to put you into positions. With Jurgen, I was probably more just solely a centre forward. So I would um have to change my game in that probably with, with Brendan I was more on the shoulder and you know playing on the shoulder more running in behind and with um with Jurgen it was more create the space for Salah and Mane to get in behind. Because if I'm running in behind all the time, I'm clogging up their flow and it's mm. like, you know, I think with Bobby Bobby was naturally like a number 10 and Bobby could get into that number 10 position easier than myself. 
Um, it was more natural for him. I was naturally playing off instinct, centre forward, on the last man, running behind, like, you know, get in between the, the centre half and the left back and make runs there or things like that. And I'd probably say I played, operated a bit more deeper with, um, with Jürgen and probably slightly more defensive um, in that I had to, def- you know, it was more like a constant running as opposed to being explosive, like, mm. all right, go and do that, go do that, like, make a running behind, do a sharp action, this, that. I think those actions tended to be more for the wingers and the, num- and the centre-forward position was probably a bit more defensive, but, you know, was, was um, the team was tailored more around the wingers running in behind. And that's how the team has been successful. So it worked. Do you know what I mean? Like, we can't 100%. say it didn't work. Um, but it's... it's it's different tools for different jobs. You know what I mean? If you want a centre forward to be a nine and a half, I'll go short sometimes and I'll get involved. But I'll, I like going in behind too. That's how I score my goals. And I know that in my mind and I know what my, my game is. Um, you know, I feel like that's kind of like the best way to, to give the analogy. In that I was probably yeah. more of a number 10. Whereas with Brendan, I was more of a nine and a half, I'd say. I think going back to your time under Brendan, obviously we had him on the platform and he was waxing lyrical mm-hmm. about you saying that you are absolutely dynamite and world-class at Liverpool. But how was your relationship with Luis Suarez? Did you guys get along on and off the pitch? How was it? Because we never actually heard anything about... That's a good, que- that's a good question. Or... I've, never, I've never asked... I've no, no one's ever asked me that question before. Um, Louis was a sick guy, bro. <laughs> and you know when I say sick guy... I good, mean, dope, yeah, very good. Yeah, like a, you know, we say sick guy, we mean it's the slang for like being a great guy, a good guy. Mm-hmm. He was like, when I first went there, I pulled him. I was like, you know what? I need to have a conversation with him because it's his club at this point. Mm-hmm. He's the man. So I had to go in and I was like, yo, Louis, listen, right. Me and you, we're going to work together. You know what I mean? We're going to... You're going to get your goals. I'm going to get my goals. We're going to get the best out of each other. Um, you know what I mean? If you're ever free, I'm passing you the ball. If I'm free and you see me, Louis, pass me the ball. Like, don't... Be, we're not in competition here. We're playing together. Like, um, I feel like there's a misconception of people saying they have to be best mates off the pitch mm. or they have to be going out. But it's a natural relationship. You either, you either vibe off the pitch or you don't. Me and him's relationship on the pitch was unbelievable. Off the pitch, we were we were we had a relationship, but we weren't pals. We weren't like All right, all right, I'm pulling up to Louis's crib. Let's have a glass of red, Louis. You know what I mean? Let's keep let's yeah, yeah. at the crib, Louis. Like no, it wasn't like that. It was more like um, we know what we do. We instantly connected. First training training session, we're doing overs. You know what I mean? Like letting yeah. him run through his Dumb legs, one yeah. twos and everything. Yeah. It, bro, it was just mm. seamless. After the first session, we just clicked like that. Um, there are times when Louis would be like, oh, Stodger, like, you should have passed me that. And there's times when I was like, Louis, you should have passed me that. Like, what's your miles off it? Like, what are you doing? But the nature of a striker is we were both goal-driven players and assist-driven players. And we wanted to... It, it's about scoring goals and having that feeling inside. And we were both, and still are, two ambitious players who love scoring goals, who love getting assists, love making an impact. So... Me and Louis' relationship off the pitch was, we were cool, but we weren't best friends. But you don't have to be. But on the pitch, mate, levels. 
Yeah, honestly, because you know what that and and that was actually what I was gonna touch on as well. Like on paper, it shouldn't have worked because you're not the conventional parent. Agreed, like, bro. Agreed. It's like a a, str- a tall target man, and then like a a shorter, quicker striker that gets mm-hmm. behind, and you link up that way. So like on paper, yep. like this shouldn't have worked, but somehow you know you guys managed to have such a dynamic uh, partnership, and, and so it was many- that freedom. It was that freedom. Like the manager was like, "Look, you're both nine and a halfs, pretty much, you know." So we we knew we could play wide, we knew we could play left, we could play right, we can both operate in a two. We played a diamond a lot, which was two split strikers. So we'd play, conventional would be like me and Kevin Davis when I was at Bolton or like Studge getting behind when I, when I flick it. If you're not there, Studger, like, you know, I'm going to be mad type thing. So you kind of know big man, little man, like Heskey Owen vibe. But with me and Louis, it was like, Yo, we're just two guys flexing out here. You feel me? Like, <laughs> like, like, we're out here just, we're out here just like causing a ruckus. I'll be on the right doing my thing. He'll be on the left doing his thing. I'd look up, see Louis, play him in. He'd look up, see me, play me in. Like, we w- we had the the capability of doing something on our own, and also doing something together. Like, I'll oversee. He'd be running through. He'd oversee. I'd be running through. Little things which like. We just had a connection, but I understood that. Cardiff that. game, that Cardiff game, oh, back hill, bang, that running riot. Louis running was riot. just, Louis, Louis was like one of those players where people would say he's jammy for nutmegging people and things, but mm. you can't nutmeg a hundred guys and it'd be jammy. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? Like you can't yeah, nutmeg yeah. like There's so many people. Mm. There's got to be, I don't know what he's got going on, <laughs> but whatever it is, like, yo, it works. I know that much. He he's a he's an unbelievable player, man, and um one of the best players I've obviously played with. Um and what he's done post Liverpool too, you know, um I think his his career has been incredible. Yeah, so there's a teammate that I want to talk about, Jordan Henderson, because mm-hmm. in his early stages at Liverpool, people from the mm-hmm. outside might have criticized him and stuff, but yeah. I think now he's proved himself as one of the top four or five midfielders in world football with the accolades and the consistency of the performances. How is it like Dots working? Dots over there, smiling like, yeah, man. <laughs> 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 you know, like, yeah. I learned to have seen Dots smiling. He was cheesing, you know. On Liverpool he was cheesing. <laughs> yeah, I seen him cheesing like, yo, he was gassed. I swear to um, For me, when, Hendo, when I first got to Liverpool, you know, I've played with Hendo from like under-19s days. You know what I mean? Under 21s. Um, and when I first got to Liverpool, I knew he was having a difficult time. Um, I sat next to him when I first got to the club. I was sat next to Hendo. Um, and it was like, a, obviously, me connect, reconnecting with a guy who I got so much love and respect for. And he's a fighter. He's, he's a, um, an example for young players of perseverance, hard work, what it takes to go from being a player who... Fans may have said, you know, we want you to get rid of him to being the first Liverpool guy, Liverpool captain to lift the Premier League in, you know, God knows how many years it's been, you know, to lift the Champions League, to have captained England, to have done so much things and to just be, have been successful and the accolades has achieved. The, the thing, how he's gone about his business, he learned a lot from Stevie G. You know what I mean? Stevie G was a was a great captain and an, and one of the best players in midfielders to ever play the game. Um, 
and you got Steve, Stevie G's blueprint of how he uses a man. Like Hendo was such a great guy. He did things behind the scenes that people don't even know about as well. Do you know what I'm saying? Like he's, it's deeper than just him being a good skipper or being a good, like, you know, football player. Like he's done so much behind the scenes to, to help players to improve. Um, and he cares. He doesn't just do it because he has to do it. Do, does it because he wants to do it. You know what I'm saying? He wears the armband, armband with pride. And um, I'm proud to have called him a teammate. Still someone I keep in contact with. I've banter with here and there. He loves Chris Brown and, and Justin Bieber. So, obviously, I'll banter him anytime. Um, <laughs> anytime. He's a believer, really. So, like, anytime uh, a Justin Bieber or Chris Brown song comes out, I drop him a text and be like, oh, there's this new CD out. Um, and, uh, like, you know, he'll banter me back. So, love Hendo. And I'm just proud to see what he's achieving because it was a, it was a long road to get to where he got to. And he's, he's showing everybody you know, how gifted he is as a football player and as a man as well. He's shown what he's like as a man. Studge, I want to scroll back to two moments in your Liverpool career. Um, that, you know, last-minute equaliser against Chelsea, because at the time I was thinking, what the heck is Studge doing? <laughs> 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 and then next, next minute I'm seeing it ping into the top corner. So what? In that moment, what is going through your mind to deliver such a virtuoso like that? Oh, man. I mean, we had a Carling Cup gate, like, Capital One Cup in the week, and I've tried to whip it up, then I've hit the bar, and I was thinking, yo, like, I wish that went in. And then Eden Hazard went on an absolute mazy run oh. and put it. And just put it Bad in the boy. top. In, in, yeah, like, and I was just thinking, I went home demoralised, but we had them. We played them on Wednesday night, but we had them on, on I think it was, it might have been Saturday evening kickoff, mm. um, or it was a Sunday. And I remember the gaffer put me on. It was like 10 minutes to go. Um, and I'm thinking to myself, I got to go out there and make something happen. I got 10 minutes to go. So balls come to my feet. It might even have been my first touch. And literally, it was it was a carbon copy of the Wednesday night, but a little bit further out. But in my mind, because I'm a visual learner and a visual person in terms of how I um, I can see something and then try and replicate it pretty quickly. Um, so when I when I got the ball, it was like second nature. It was just like I'm doing it. It would it didn't even cross my mind to do something else. And um, I remember Millie said like, why why like, Studge, don't shoot in his head. He was like, Studge, don't you even think about it. Um, Studge, don't you even think about it. <laughs> but for me, for me, it was just like, take a touch and bang it. And when I seen that thing dipping, I was like, has he got it covered? When I seen it hit the top bin, bro, I swear, in my mind, I was doing, in my stomach and my body, I was doing somersaults that I can't do somersaults. But I was doing backflips, front flips, every type of flip. Um... But I had to keep a straight face in it because the Chelsea fans were mad at me from in the week when I scored the overhead kick. They were vexed. So I couldn't do it. I couldn't celebrate. So I had to, I was at Stamford Bridge and I gave it the straight face vibe, you know what I mean? The the the, the smile, non-smile. My bottom lip was quivering. I wanted to smile, but I couldn't smile. Uh, but it was, it was a great moment because I don't even, I don't think I'd scored. I don't, I'm not sure I scored at Stamford Bridge. Um, Leaving, leaving Chelsea I'd always scored at Anfield 
But going back to Stamford Bridge, I didn't get to, to score there. So to be back there and to score a goal like that and to get a point for the team as well, because it was an important point, was a, was, was a great feeling for me. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.